This is Parenting for the Everyday. I'm Becca Alvarez. And I'm Holly DiCandrew. We are two moms currently down in the trenches of parenthood. We want to create a community of support and encouragement as we set out to find the answers to the parenting questions that everyone is asking. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. And today is our very first episode. I can't believe we're here. So we want to take some time to introduce ourselves, explain what makes us excited about this podcast, and a few things that we wish we knew before becoming moms. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about this for a while, and we're finally making it happen, and so I am so excited to be here. We'll start by, uh, Beck, I'll just let you go first. Why don't you tell us just who you are? My name is Rebecca Coffey Alvarez. I go by Becca, Beck, any variation. I've been married to my husband, Sean, for three years. We have one boy who just turned a year old. Big milestone. Huge milestone. His name is Ezekiel. We lived in Houston, Texas, where we met. And then recently we moved back to Hudson. So there have been lots of transitions and a few different speed bumps, but we are so happy to be here. Great. Um, Tell us, who were you before you were a mom? Who's Becca without the mom part? Oh, man. Um, So I was a supervisor of forensic services in Houston, Texas, which sounds different than what it was, probably. Um, So what that meant is I supervised a team of people who would interview children that had survived alleged crimes. We saw primarily child sexual abuse, but a variety of different crimes that happened in Houston. Um, It would vary from severe physical abuse, neglect, kidnapping, witness to homicide, child pornography, human trafficking, all of those things. Um, So we had a very high capacity of children that we would see, and we would interview them as a part of that investigation so that it could eventually see a trial and be able to be dealt with and investigated in the way that it needed to be. Man, that's that's heavy. That's a lot. It was um, a lot. How, what did you learn from that? What did that teach you when you became a mom? Did you carry fears from that mm-hmm. over? Like, how did it influence you having this career um, that was really intense mm-hmm. to then now all of a sudden having a baby at home? Was there any carryover? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I think that there's, of course, going to be carryover and fears and different things. However, surprisingly, I think in my head, I would anticipate being almost crippled with fear because I saw such a depth of evil so often that it made it—I was very aware that the Mm -hmm. world is not a safe place. And so I often get the question of, like, why would you even have kids? Yeah. But it had almost the adverse effect for me where I just became really, really, really passionate about raising good humans. And even when I would tell other people about what I do and they would— they almost always ask, like, how do you do that? How how can you do that day in, day out? And mostly I just tell them, like, raising good humans is the only way that we can combat the evil that's in the world. You're never going to yeah. take that away. But what you can do is raise people that are kind and cared for and known and loved. And so what working at the CAC did for me was really make me love being a mom and take every moment of being a mom seriously because I know the impact parents have on kids and they can have that impact for great things and they can have that impact for pretty terrible things as well. I love that, that intentionality of being like light in darkness Mm -hmm. and bringing up a kid that can do that. Yeah. All right, Miss Holly, tell us about you. Who are you? And tell us about your family. Okay. 
Uh, I'm Holly. I have been married to my husband, Jimmy, for almost 15 years. Uh, we got married very young. I'm not as old as that. That makes me sound. Uh, I worked in corporate America before uh, having kids, uh, but I knew I always wanted to be a mom. Uh, but it turns out my journey into motherhood was anything but straight. Uh, in fact, it was seven years of twists and turns that took me to some really dark places, if I'm being honest. We walked through a lot of years of fertility treatments, uh, multiple miscarriages and loss, even a failed adoption before we ended up with our three mm-hmm. kids. My oldest is almost 13. Ah, he's <laughs> a teenager. Just the first time I've said it out loud, and I still am just not sure how I feel about it. He was adopted right before his third birthday. So my first encounter with motherhood was anything but traditional. Not only did I skip the pregnancy state, but we also skipped right over the newborn stage and headed straight into toddlers. Uh, So you can imagine it was a little bit of a bumpy ride. Um, And if you don't know, adoption is complicated with a lot of layers. And so it was really anything uh, than we expected. And then I have twin six-year-olds that joined our family through IVF. So again, not traditional, as I brought home two babies instead mm-hmm. of one. Um, but you know what? Even with all this heartache, I really don't know that I would change it if I could. I really love the way the Lord has crafted our family. Mm-hmm. My faith, my marriage, my overall view on motherhood, it was all impacted by this journey and God's faithfulness to me in moments when I was mm-hmm. unfaithful to Him. And I honestly don't think I would be sitting across from you so passionate about creating mm-hmm. this space if it had happened any other way. Yeah. Man, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Uh, I think if we are going to spend some time just talking about maybe what we wish we could tell our younger selves Mm -hmm. before we became moms, like things we thought we knew, but um, really we had no clue. Uh, Do you want to kick us off? Like what's maybe one big thing that you wish you knew before you became a mom? Yeah. I think the thing that comes to my mind first is that statement, comparison is a thief of joy. I never compared more than when I became a mom. Yeah. I had always had that part of me that would compare little little things, but I don't feel like it impacted me as strongly as when I became a mom. So all of a sudden, everything I saw was a comparison, whether that was Instagram posts or reels or opinions. It was breastfeeding versus not breastfeeding, yes. a medicated verse for a medicated birth versus an unmedicated everything. birth. Everything. Every choice I made, there was a counterpart of that. And I felt like almost every choice I was making was wrong in mm-hmm. some form, even the ones I felt really confident about. And what was happening is I loved being a mom, and I loved being a mom to Ezekiel, but it was like all of the comparison was stealing those moments of my really unique motherhood experience, and so I just needed to stop it. Like, I had to mute people. I had to change things, and luckily, I have wisdom in my life that recognized that and could kind of walk me through it, but it's still a struggle today, and it's still something that I have to have awareness of when I'm doing it because it will so quickly steal joy of things that I'm really proud of because Mm -hmm. there will always be another opinion. There will always be another way of doing things. And there's no one right way to do it. And so really recognizing that, I wish I could tell back of two years ago, (laughs) um, just to be aware of it. Be aware of it and that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because your love for your child is the only thing that really, really matters in in that relationship. And it's so hard because it's just everywhere. It's I mean, so, everywhere. You know, I just think of, 
you know, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. if you had it, like, it wasn't as in your face everywhere. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, you turn on your phone, you turn on the TV, anything. Yeah. And so even just learning how to filter that space. Yeah. Yeah. And that Google search bar on my phone. <laughs> is dangerous. That list got so extensive. Yes. Um, I think I would second that. And for me, I think I would also add to that that God doesn't make mistakes mm-hmm. and he can always be trusted. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the number one thing. If I could go back and whisper something to my younger self that I would say, it, it seems so basic. And my younger self probably would have rolled her eyes because she thought she knew that. Um, but there have been so many times in the midst of struggles where I have needed to cling to that truth. Mm-hmm. I have needed people to remind me of that. Um, I have isolated myself and lost sight of that truth, especially in moments of like infertility and loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now when I look back, I can see a lot of purpose in what we went mm-hmm. through. Um, my husband and I developed our love for travel during these years, which would um, become something that would be the heartbeat of our home. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the privilege of sitting and grieving with several women in the midst of their own battles um, that could only come from a place of understanding having walked through similar mm-hmm. shoes. And so in those moments when I doubted God's plan or his best for my family, um, just knowing that that he knows what he's doing, and we, mm-hmm. even when we can't see how all the pieces fit together. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's such a good point just because I've never been so consumed with fear or worry mm-hmm. yeah. than from the moment I saw a positive sign on that pregnancy test and to this day right now. Um, yeah. You know, like you're just always aware of what could go wrong or what could happen. And I think really just giving that to God and being able to trust him with all things that even have the to messy do with parts. your family, yes. even yes. those messy parts, even those scary parts. Yeah. For me, another one that I wish I could have told my younger self that you need more help than you think. <laughs> and I always knew that and I heard that, but I think I also just so pride myself on being able to do so much and handle so much that I have this fierce independence that I feel like, mm, I can do it. And if I can't do it, it means I'm weak. Where what I have realized is that is such a lie. That's what culture is spinning, though. Culture right. is saying, like, you can do it all by yourself. Take it on. Mm-hmm. Take it on. Work as a mom. Raise your kids as a, you know, do, like, it, do all. it all. Do it all. Have it all. Be it all. And that's such a lie because not only did me trying to do it all myself rob my child of a mom who was patient, a mom who was kind, yeah. a mom who was well-rested. It also robbed my child of having these experiences with these other people and expanding his safety yeah. circle. And so once I came to that realization, um, that's a big reason of why we moved back from Houston to Hudson was to have that community. We were the f- one of the first of our friends to have kids, and so so many different people in different seasons. It just makes for more of an isolated experience. And although I think there can be a lot of value in that, there's some struggle. And so it's been so great to come home and to spend time with people that are in the same season, to have family close, and to really share this experience of motherhood with so many people Mm -hmm. that are also experiencing it, struggling with it, and having successes in it. You know, I think that you need people in all those different categories. And so really understanding that and and realizing that that is not weakness, but that is strength. And that gives my child this opportunity to have other experiences and yes. other love. And more love is just a good it's thing. Better. It's yes. better. Yes. Yes. It's funny because um, my lesson kind of tag teams with that because, and mine would be, 
I would say, hey, Holly, embrace the mess. Because mm-hmm. um, I've always had this mindset that if you work hard and you do the right things, you get results. So kind of to your point, I would say, like, if the reason I couldn't do it all is because I wasn't working mm-hmm. hard enough. And so that was me failing. And before I had kids, that maybe was true. Like, if you study really hard, you could get a good grade on a test. If you work really hard in your career, you could get promoted. But kids are a whole different mm-hmm. ball gown. Um, and I just found the further and further I got into the journey of motherhood that those lies just really started to, to sink in and take root. You know, if, if I were a better mom, I'd have a better kid, mm-hmm. right? I'd have less meltdown, meltdowns. I'd have less hard days. If I was a better mom, not only would my kids struggle less, but maybe I could keep my house mm-hmm. together. Uh, if I was a better mom, you know, there wouldn't be dishes piled in the sink or piles of laundry that need to be washed. You know, I created these metrics for success in my head or maybe on social media, like just from these other narratives that weren't actually true. Um, and so it's funny because I, I I have learned now that my kids don't have to have healthy meals every single mm-hmm. like it's okay if we go through the drive through and we don't have Pinterest worthy activities, um, but it took me a really long time to be comfortable in that mess. And unfortunately, uh, I spent time in places that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I spent so much time trying to make my house look perfect mm-hmm. instead of just playing on the floor with my kids. Um, and I just feel like I learned that I don't have to have it all together. I just need to trust the one who does. Um, and I've come to learn that I would rather have a home with dirty dishes and piles of laundry on the floor, but a door that's always open to friends and family that can stop by and know this is a place for them um, instead of being a place that only the door only opens when the house is clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the person who would rather spend my day outside with my kids going to a new festival or farm or exploring somewhere we've never been than inside scrubbing my floors. And I've really learned to be comfortable in that. Um, besides, I like my floors a little sticky, covered with glitter, <laughs> adds character, you know? I think what's so cool about that is that by you doing that, you also give permission to other for others to follow oh, suit, yeah. you know? So when you invite people in and maybe your house isn't perfect, it also gives them permission to invite people, people in, in when their house yes. is not perfect. Because if we do live in this lie of everything has to be crisp and clean and put together before anyone else can see it. And if it's not that way, then it's not worth showing anyone. And that's just, that just robs people of community and experiencing life with you through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm most comfortable when I go to someone's house mm-hmm. that isn't, you know, perfect. Right. If I go into a house that's super perfect and po- spotless, right. I'm like, what? Don't touch anything. Don't mess <laughs> anything up. But, you know, when you go in, yeah. you're like, man, this is authentic. I've yeah. seen you in this place. I know who you are. It does let your relationship go to another place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so my other one that I would just remind myself of and will – continue to do so today is that your children don't actually belong to you. And I think this one is so huge because becoming a mom can feel so consuming. Yeah. Um, And it's so easy to slip into that identity, especially for me. I quickly realized that I could find my everything in this tiny little body of my son. And although that is cute, as an infant, it becomes so much less cute as they grow and as they become maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a little creepy um, when they become toddlers and all of a sudden your identity is still in this toddler yeah. who, as they grow, they throw tantrums and all of a sudden every tantrum that he throws yeah. is 
a knife to my heart because I've rooted my whole identity in him. Yeah. It's even less cute when he's a 15-year-old and doing rebellions or whatever is happening at that stage. So to find my identity in Ezekiel was going to be so short-sighted and so painful. I still have this image in my head of me laying him in his crib while we were in Houston and having this prayer that went through my mind of like, I am more than a mom. I am more than Ezekiel's mom. And God, you remind me that he is yours and he is always yours. No matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what happens in years from now, remind me that he is yours and he's your gift to me, and I'm so grateful, but he can't become mine. Because if he becomes mine, I will find too much of myself in him. And kind of just almost like a mantra of saying that to myself over and over again. I think especially in those depths of postpartum when you are Mm -hmm. sleep-deprived and just vulnerable and raw in so many ways, that was a really— good habit. And it had to have been from God at that very beginning because it is something that has stuck with me and I think has been a really big value. But it's still really easy to slip into having Ezekiel as my identity. I love him so much and I love being a mom so much. I can see when I start to get my value from that and almost need to Stop yeah. it right away. But it takes intentionality. It does. It's not like, because it's so easy to it's slip so back easy, into that. right. Uh, but there's wisdom in that because what a burden for Ezekiel to yeah. bear to have to uh, fulfill that right. of you. So, But it does take intentionality to fight against that. Absolutely. Um, my last thing that I would tell my younger self is to find your people. Uh, last but certainly not least, uh, but one of the most important things I've learned is just how crucial it is to find your pe- people. And you talked yeah. about this a little bit. Um, but we're just not meant to do this alone. And um, I had kids a little bit ahead of my girlfriends. And so at the beginning of motherhood, I tried to do it on my own, and it wasn't a healthy space. So I can't tell you enough what a game changer it was to have a community of people uh, that I can just call and say, hey, my kid is doing this really weird thing. You know, what do I do? And they can respond and say, oh, no, that's that's not weird. He'll grow out of it. Just let it be, you know, or a time or two where they've had to say, no, nah, girl, that is weird. You got to do something about that. Um, but even more importantly, having people that can enter into your home, sit right in the middle of this mess that, you know, I've talked about and really see you, all the parts of you, the mm-hmm. good parts, the broken parts, the messy parts, and that they can love you the same. Mm-hmm. I just think that's gold right there. Um, and fighting against that was a disservice mm-hmm. that I did to myself. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And it's so, so important to find your people. So there's a quote that encompasses just my excitement for this podcast. It's from that Instagram account called Her View From Home. Do you follow them? I don't, but I have heard of her before. Yeah. Yeah. I always love their stuff. And I just think it gives so many different perspectives and lenses. But this quote in particular just like hit me so hard. And so I'm just going to read it. It's a job that came with no prior experience. There are no days off and no sick days. It doesn't come with a paycheck, even though you're always pulling overtime. The entire world wants to weigh in on your performance review. It often requires functioning at a high stakes level while completely sleep deprived. Despite giving it your all, there's constant questioning of your ability. If you're doing enough, if you're doing too much, there is no one right way to do the job and the job requirements are ever changing. It's one of the toughest jobs out there. And once it starts, it's never ending. And I love it. I love being a mom. I feel like this really is my heart in a quote about this podcast. There are so many layers in parenting and so many questions about guilt and and 
successes and rejoicing, and mm-hmm. there are just so many different aspects in parenting. I'm excited to lay it all out there to give voices and lenses to topics, to hear from experts and get different perspectives, to hear wisdom from those who've already been there, and empathy for those that are in the trenches yes. with us. Amen. I see this podcast as forming just a great community of support, advice, and a place where we see you, we know you, we're with you because we are you. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, I can't echo that enough. I am just so excited to have a space that helps create the kind of community that we've been talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, a space where you feel seen and not judged, where you feel like you have people in your corner who just get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am excited as well to talk to different parents and professionals uh, that are in different stages so that they can share what they've learned through their experiences, through their professional uh, careers, and we can take that information and translate it into our own mm-hmm. homes in whatever way that would look like. Uh, we honestly plan to talk about everything here. Uh, some of the topics that I'm excited to be talking about can be super basic, like how do I build healthy eating habits in my kids? What age should you start discipline? Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Um, to even some more complex ones, like when should you let your kids date? How do you talk to your kids about mm-hmm. pornography? Um, let's get the real answers to these real questions. And at the end of the day, this will be a place that no matter what part of parenting you're in, you feel seen and welcomed. So we really hope that you guys will tune in and we look forward to this journey with you. And this has been Parenting for the Everyday. Please tune in next time. <laughs>